0: This episode of the Tome Show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner.
1: And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this surprise round, we're going to war against dragons as we look at Dragonlance, Shadow of the Dragon Queen.
0: Also in this episode, joining us is our regular errant knight, of D- the, the errant knight of D&D, Jared Rasher. Welcome, sir. Hello. Uh, along with Jared, we have the Queen of the Qualanesti here on a diplomatic mission. It's Ginny Loveday.
2: <laughs> oh, hello. I did, I, that was a new title for me. Mm.
0: <laughs> I, like to, I like to pass out titles. Uh, and lastly, direct from the world of Athos, where A War with the Dragon Queen seems quaint, it's Robert Aducci.
3: <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff.
1: this episode, we are discussing the 5e adventure Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen. It's a 5e adventure from Watsi that takes characters from levels 1 to 11 as they pit themselves against the forces of Takhisis in The War of the Lance, the conflict that made the setting of Dragonlance famous. And as a reminder, in a surprise round episodes, we get our first impressions of a book out very quickly after a book is released, or sometimes before, with the understanding that we probably haven't done a deep read, though, and we definitely haven't played it. (laughs) Plus or minus there. And then, if needed, we'll revisit the book later after it's been out for a while, and we have a chance to dig in deeper.
0: I have had the the benefit of... um... Playing at least part of it, and in, in, when I was a playtester, so things have changed. Um, things usually change from playtest to to publish, so I usually don't talk about the experience of playtesting very much. But uh, I'm at least familiar with running the first chapter. Well, I guess it's not the first chapter; it's the beginning of the third chapter. The third chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we dig into the book, though, I want to remind folks: uh, if you want to support the show, you can come and be a patron at Patreon.com/slash/TheTomShow. The support, of the, patri- uh, the support of the patrons helps me pay the bills and keep the show going. Now on to Dragonlance Shadow of the, of the Dragon Queen. Full disclosure, I would like uh, to know who is working from review copies. I know I
3: am. I
1: am. I am.
3: I guess technically I am. I got it on d Beyond. And I I I did the
4: pre-order, so this is all this is all my money went into
3: this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did did you pay for it on D and D Beyond, uh, Robert? Or no? Okay. Very good. So so four of us are working from review copies for whatever that means. If it people are worried that it might influence our our (laughs) thoughts and opinions. Uh, In fact, Jenny and I received three versions of the book. Um, Because they had the standard cover, the special cover, and then the review uh, sets that they sent out. Also had the deluxe box that had the board game, the DM screen, and yet a third cover. Um, Tracy's just working from the one because I usually take the special edition – or the special covers and and ship those off to her as soon as I get them. So um, that's how she's working from review copies. So, um, yeah, let's talk about this book. What –
3: Land's Shadow of the Dragon Queen. What is this? Quick question: uh, Are we are we like spoiling or not?
0: Um, inevitably. We we yeah. I mean, we inevitably spoil. We usually don't like dive too deep into the specifics and sure. details. Um, you know, but people should assume that if we're doing an, an hour long review of a book, um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the details of the adventure, right?
3: All right.
2: Thanks. All right. All right. Well, one, uh, we're talking about a book, Jeff. Since that was your actual question. But uh, <laughs> it's Dragonlance. It's the setting that got so many people into D and D before they even knew that they were into D and D. They just knew that they were into novels about dragons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Like me, I read all the <laughs> Dragonlance novels, and then later found out that it was also a D and D game, and was like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> right? Um. And then and then did not play uh the previous editions of D&D Dragonlance version, so I was super excited to see this one come out. Um, And During the War of the Lances, which is, you know, like you said, quintessential Dragonlance.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting, um, that was an interesting choice to me, that they seem to have, you know, in this effort to come back to Dragonlance, what is this, the, are we dancing around the, was it the 50th anniversary of Dragonlance? It was some sort of anniversary that either just happened or is just now happening, It, it was a thing. Um, that are 40 yeah 40 i think 40
4: was it 40 like 82 i think
3: yeah probably. that makes sense yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: i couldn't be 40 because it's been in
4: my lifetime <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but yeah so I'm, I'm surprised like a lot was done after the original what three to six novels depending on how you count them um and into third edition when Margaret Weiss and her publishing company sort of got the, the license rights to continue publishing Dragonlance stuff. Um, there was some effort to like, let's continue telling the story of the setting and moving it beyond the war of the Lance and into a new age. And, um, you know, at a point when all the, the champions of the Lance were all, were all dead and what have you. Um, and then it sort of laid fallow for a long time and suddenly, boom, it's back. There's a board game. There's a there's an adventure. There's uh, a novel series starting up again. But they've all gone back to the original War of the Lands. They've they've sort of gone back to the beginning of the timeline. Um, and I'm curious what people think about that. I mean, honestly,
2: oh. Yeah, I just want to say that we're not quite to 40. It was 1984.
0: I say we're so it's, we're getting close.
4: Yeah,
2: Yeah, I was like, did I forget how to (laughs) math? Anyways, though, uh, carry on. Sorry.
4: No, I was going to say it reminds me actually a lot of Star Wars Hmm. in that, yes, you do have the attempt to move forward, but you also have all of these very defined periods of time and you go back and tell stories in those other periods of time as well, which we
0: just saw with Andor. So, Hmm. I mean, it does remind me a lot of that. Sure, except that there's no efforts in, like, the last long time to actually move forward. The only efforts mm. for uh, what a decade or so has been to go back.
2: Oh, there have been, you know, licensing issues, right. etc. cetera,
0: yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Anybody yeah.
2: interested in that? You could just Google it. We don't have time for well, that here. And
0: actually, <laughs> I, can, I did have something about that I wanted to mention. Oh, you got a summary? Well, no. But one of the things that um, – I don't know, threw a red flag for me a little bit. Uh, when I see a legacy setting like this, like Dragonlance, the Forgotten Realms, whatever, one of the things I always look at is the credits. And I want to see if the original creators who are still around and still active and still doing things actually worked on the books. You know, uh, if you give me a Forgotten Realms book and Ed Greenwood didn't work on it, that's a red flag. Uh, at least when they did Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, Brian Cortijo worked on it, and Brian Cortijo works with Ed Greenwood a lot, right? Right. For Dragonlance, I'm like I want to see Weiss and Hickman as you know consultants or whatever on the book. You know if they can bring Joe Manganiello, who has nothing to do with the creation of Avernus, to come in and advise on descent into Avernus, surely they can get Weiss and Hickman to come in and advise on on a book like this, sort of rebooting or re- bringing back Dragonlance for fifth edition. And I was disappointed to discover that that is not the case. They, they they are given thanks as as you know the the legends that created the the setting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I happened to be in a conversation with uh, an artist, uh, Claudio Poses, uh, online about that very fact. And um, you know, as happens, Margaret Weiss was is active on that social media platform as well, and hopped in and, and sort of told me the story of of how that went down, uh, and she did it publicly on, on on social media. So I'm assuming this is not a secret, because my my guess was that the book may a lot of the book may have been being worked on in the midst of their legal issues with Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, and, and that was probably why it didn't play out. That's the thing that people can go Google if they want more information. That I assume Ginny was referring to earlier. Um, I
5: mean, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, But in but in fact, that was that is apparently not exactly the case. From what Margaret told me. Um, what happened was they were brought in to consult on the book. They put together a plan for what the adventure would be and what would be in the book. They were working with a, a team at Watsi that, that they were very happy to be working with. Um, and then Watsi decided to completely change the entire team working on the book. That team went in a completely different direction and they just never sort of reached out to her and, and Tracy um, about the, the book from that point on. And so that's why they're not exactly. listed as consultants. Um, I don't. Again, I don't know what happened. I don't know if there's bad blood there. I don't know if it happened. That transition happened around the time of the legal issues. But that, I found that to be interesting um, mm-hmm. that they were involved yeah. at one point and then became uninvolved.
1: And, and I know we said they can Google it. But part of it was creative differences, and and I don't, again, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. and I, I didn't see that conversation. There are some key differences between the book, the novel, and mm-hmm. the how the setting is now written. And I don't know, I haven't seen past versions of this setting in D&D, but things like, I hope it's okay, like the knights, who, who can be a knight, right? Mm-hmm. And things like that mm-hmm. are, are very different, so I just super... I'd would love to be a fly on the walls and, well, and seeing yeah, like, yeah, how yeah, that really all went down and yeah. for sort of thing. Right, but I think it's gonna make for an interesting thing over uh, over time from people who read the novel to come back yeah. in and then they find out there's Dragonlance and then they see that there are different differences in right. the culture and things like that.
0: Well, and and some of that is is the book and the game designers I think trying to be if I if I'm picking up what you're talking about um, in the in the game design anybody any well really anybody but at least any humans can become knights right um, whereas clearly in the literature in the novels um, women aren't allowed to become knights
4: well it wasn't prohibited it just was not a thing that was done there that you get into you get into all the stuff between what the oath says and what the measure says yeah. and how the measure basically made it uncomfortable for women to become that but it didn't prohibit it because otherwise you could not have had Lorana who became a knight of Salamnia because she was not allowed to command the troops unless she was a knight of mm-hmm. Salamnia. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I don't want to spoil the novel, but in the most recent novel there is a, a woman a female character is told that she can't become. Now whether that's a hard can't or a, well it's just not done and thus you can't.
0: Well, and, it she, and she was told that she can't Pre Lorana, uh, in terms of the the chronology, because yeah, big swaths of that mm-hmm. book take place simultaneously with the War of the Lands, which yeah, goes back War to of the, the whole Land- idea of that they keep, they're, they're going back to the old the old time, right?
4: Well, and a lot of that was them revisiting. Okay, just because this is in the Measure, is this something that we can't revise, or is this something? Right. Yeah, you know, they looked up an exception for Lorana, but once they looked up the exception, it was like no. Maybe we have other things we need to look up exceptions for. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. And there's, there's a little bit of that going on with clerics as well, uh, or and or I suppose paladins and, and whoever other divine sort of characters, right? Uh, if you're reading the the original novels, you are given the impression that there is one cleric anywhere in the entirety of the world, and yet the game, the, this adventure is like, yeah, but that sucks if that's the character you want to play right, <laughs> right. and so they they actually create like there's the, there's these three encounters that are sort of the first level introductory encounters to the adventure um the preludes. And, and yeah the prelude encounters and so it's not assumed that the party is together at that point uh, but a few of them might be together if they have similar issues and one of them is this is the the prelude encounter to run for the more divine divine inclined.
2: Broken silence right and th- and
0: this will be the prelude encounter that introduces that 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 explains why, hey look, it turns out that Gold Moon wasn't in fact the only cleric there's there's this person over here too, they just were all the way over there, and they weren't a hero of the land, so you know we just don't know as much about them, I guess
4: they yeah. have in some of the novels they actually did introduce other clerics that were in other places, they weren't necessarily in the chronicles mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. But they did say there's this cleric here that was revealed this ability. In Taladus, there were clerics actually before there were an Ancelon, except mm-hmm. that because the gods of good weren't supposed to reveal themselves, they weren't proselytizing. They were just supposed to, you know, you are doing the gods' bidding until we tell you now it's time to reveal yourselves. So there's, did, a, lot of, there there's no- a lot of fuzziness around that.
0: Okay. Were there novels in Taladus?
4: There was one trilogy in Taladus. Okay.
0: I have the old, the old second edition Talidus box set, uh, so I know a little mm-hmm. bit about the setting. But I didn't, I never knew there were novels. So
4: they actually didn't come until like the third edition era.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I
2: do like going back to you know the history of Kren, how they've started out, you know, kind of the book by breaking down, uh, I guess what they've defined as the four major eras of Kren. before the cataly- cataclysm, the cataclysm, after the cataclysm, and then the Dragon Queen's return which clearly is a completely separate era. But um, that kind of helps put everything a little bit in like perspective for people who are coming into this with no Dragonlance history whatsoever, mm. which boggles my brain thinking that there are people out there who <laughs> didn't read any of the books. But I mean, also, I, I spend vast amounts of my time every year teaching D&D to people who are like, I don't know, I just want to roll dice. <laughs> right. Well, so, it, again, it doesn't boggle my brain that much. I'm yeah, very say, much uh, expecting und- at pack to run into tons of people who don't know anything about Dragonlance, but that's where we're premiering
0: it. Right. And t- until we started recording it for the book club, I don't think Tracy had read any Dragonlance, had you?
1: I had not. Yeah. And it was very trippy to only have read what we read in the book club <laughs> and then to read this new novel yeah. and then also look at the <laughs>
0: book. Because we read the original trilogy, we didn't read Legends. and, then, and-
1: and then Dragons of
2: Deceit and after then that. And Dragons of Deceit, yeah. Hmm. Oh, tra- and so I, I was like, oh, <laughs> "You, miss
1: it. <laughs> Hope you this missed it." You missed too big much. The spoiler! I was like, "Haven't I read this book
3: before?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there was a uh, a poll that Cat Evans did, I think, on uh, on Mastodon where they asked how much uh, you know, or like, uh, if people had read the Dragonlance books, played the setting, both, or neither. And not that many people responded, but still, like thirty-five percent said the books only, twenty-seven percent said both, eight percent said the RPG only, and thirty-one mm. said neither. So it's interesting.
0: Oh. Yeah, yeah. Dra- Dragonlance has always been one of those settings, and there's not there's a handful of them, but almost everything I know about the setting of Dragonlance comes from the novels, and because of that, I feel like. I don't know how to tell a story in that setting because there's this big story that's kind of sucking all the air out of the room. Um, yeah. we,
3: have the the about, <laughs> we
2: have yeah. to abandon the companions. We have to abandon them.
3: Like, <laughs> that's a novel. To, to how mm-hmm. you were talking about the, the setting and going back to it, you know, the same thing sort of uh, happened with Dark Sun in 4th edition. But if you, even if you go and look at all of the... Uh, I did a poll, a similar poll to, to what Kat did. But for Dark Sun, like where, what timeline do people play? And over 50% play the original Dark Sun timeline, like from mm-hmm. the original box set, which is what fourth edition went back to. And it's the same thing, I think, for this, because that's what people, a lot of people started out with, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, same with the books that, you know, the, the Chronicles in Dragonlance, m- a lot of people started out with that. And so they're going to keep, you know, they want to stay in that time period. But to your point, I think they did a good job in this of like giving a lot of, uh, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of sort of callbacks, but also it being a new story.
0: Yeah, no, well, and, and there's a difference because I feel like fourth edition Dragonlands didn't go back to the that timeline. They rebooted that timeline and kind of told the story again. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the effort here, and maybe I'm wrong and, and you can point to a spot where I missed it, but but I feel like the effort here wasn't to reboot the War of the Lands, but to go tell a different story in a different part of Anselon, Uh yeah. What, yeah. But that that just dovetails. You know, it's 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 the Rogue One of the War of yes. the yes. Lands.
2: Yes, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, That's no, it, exactly how I feel about it. Wow, it, we keep coming up with Star Wars analogies for, for Dragonlance. It's
2: like we've been watching. It's a, it's 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 a space a fantasy opera, not a space opera. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you've been doing Spelljammer, everything's a space opera now. Right. Uh, it's just we got we got into uh, crin space.
0: <laughs> I mean, that is a thing.
2: But that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the point, and 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 literally, you know, like what what they kind of open the book with, actually, um, yeah, literally, what they open the book with is that it provides a, gr- a glimpse of Kryn through a very through a lens of a very specific conflict, rather than like looking at the whole world, mm-hmm. what's going on over there. We're focusing on the city of Kalaman in the nation of Sylvania, as the War of the Lands first reaches the border. Mm-hmm. So, like, really, really, like, you know, um, honing in on that specific point in time where, like, okay, at that point in time, uh, the companions aren't... They're not here. They're, they're, they're over there doing all of those stories that we already know about. Mm-hmm. But the war is also here. And we can't wait on, you know, these five heroes to save everybody. Um, if we did that, then, you know, all these poor people here in Calamon, would die. So your turn to be a hero. And I think that was really kind of artfully done.
0: Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. interesting. It's it's also one of those, I don't know, it highlights for me one of the things I keep running into with uh, 5th Edition Adventures um, in that for the most part, they are way bigger than an adventure, but they're not quite, they don't quite come to a conclusion to be called a campaign, right? So, so you know, these heroes are off saving Calaman and they get to 11th level and they're they're equal, if not greater, in power to the heroes of the Lance that are eventually going to save the day. Where did they go? When the, when this adventure's over, why aren't they involved in the rest of the War of the Lance? Why doesn't that, you know, what, what happens after this? You know, that's uh, almost every 5th edition adventure that they put out has me like, you got so close to giving me a campaign, but you didn't, and I don't know what happens for the next, you know, five to eight levels and how the story
3: finishes. Well, that's up. That's up to you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> been, uh, yeah, yeah. All
2: right, that's when you thing. have you hop on your spell jammer and you go somewhere else, to make your own campaign, okay?
0: Yeah. No, With
2: I. Jack hookers. I, or whatever slowly, you want.
0: I've slowly come to the realization uh, over the last couple of weeks as I th- have been thinking about this. That I think I made a mistake. Instead of pursuing this career in academia and becoming a professor and all that, I should have, when fifth edition got started, just started writing like Act Three adventures that tied <laughs> yeah. in direct, you know, and publishing those on DMs Guild of just this is what happens after Out of the Abyss ends, and this is what happens after Curse of Strahd. And this is what, <laughs> you know, and just just publish those adventures. Just do the high-level act three of every fifth edition adventure that they published. I think there's 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 uh, money on the table. So you,
2: there. I don't know. I was gonna say, so you don't want to make money.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Uh, because those don't sell. Yeah. High level adventures don't sell. That's why. That's why they. Because um, I don't. I don't know. You're kind of a, a unique, uh, you know, egg in that you could probably play an entire campaign from one to twenty, but the average group struggles to get to like ten.
0: Yeah. Sure. But so, but, you know, and
2: that's what they're aiming for.
0: Yeah, I just wish I just wish I we, want,
2: we want to be able to keep everyone together right. just long enough to finish this book. Come on, guys.
4: I mean, right. between between what we actually know happens in the War of the Lands and what gets hinted at at the end of this adventure, you're probably still doing some things. I suppose.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Jeff, no one has written the What Comes After This yet on DM's Guild if you want to prove me wrong and that it is a money-making venture.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'll get right on that after I finish the three manuscripts I've got in the works for, yeah. for so we're, actual we're, job. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're doing um, the AL Dragonlance storyline. I say mm-hmm. we. Um, Baldwin Games is doing it, and we're not going to high levels either. Oh, no, no, no. Mm. We're, we're stopping at uh, Tier 3. Tier three. Of of course, he gets up when I need to confirm (laughs) something with him nodding. Um, The storyline coordinator—well, one half of the storyline coordinator team sits over there normally (laughs) behind me. Uh, But yeah, so and we're doing another storyline in the War of the Lands alongside these other two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so much. Where 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 is
0: it? Where is it geographically?
2: Hold, hold, please. We'll circle back.
3: So going back on on what I think Ginny was saying was like the first chapter of this book is the setting, and that's that's all we get. So like mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, thought that this was going to be a lot of setting, but it's it's really not. This is primarily an adventure with you know just like a regional regional flavor.
0: Yeah, that's it's interesting. It's it's a little bit of a setting in the same way that like uh, Waterdeep Dragonheist. Had a setting chapter or descent into avernus, Baldur's Gate descent into avernus had a setting. It wasn't the Forgotten Realms. It was just let's talk about these cities yeah.
3: where right. the, thing, yeah, this the whole is, thing this started. Is,
4: this is Nightland. That's what you're doing yeah. here.
3: You're you're going to look at one state, you know, and and but with Forgotten Realms, I mean, we had the Sword Coast Adventures guide. So like you know, in fifth edition, there was already you know precedent. Uh, so you didn't have to you know kind of say everything so i feel like here they're i feel like they're leaning on you know the dm skill the old stuff that's there for second edition if people wanted to go we'll you know, to buy that to, or
0: they're know, saying you don't history. need it i mean we're telling a story that's very much confined to this part of the world and we don't need to tell you about the rest of the setting it's, it's very mm-hmm. much the the model of world building of like start small and build out to the to the size mm. of the world that you need it to be, and this story doesn't require the world to be any bigger than it is. You know, also the
4: the way that the original modules did it. Right, <laughs> there, there, there was no setting yeah. book when the original modules were coming out either. It was just telling you this is what Solace and uh, this you know this general vicinity here out mm-hmm. to to uh, Zach Saroth looks like. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're still in. Uh, we're venturing out from the heart of Salamnia uh, to lend aid and defense on the um, yeah, southern and eastern fronts. I don't know why Uh-oh. I was struggling to read the birds <laughs> in front of me. So we're still in Salamnia Park because there's there's so much going on even there. Um,
4: yeah, because yeah. the, the war was going on there for a couple of years before it right. went down into Avan- So, So
0: mm-hmm. southern and eastern... It, and maybe somebody else knows the geography better, but I feel like that's just s- south-ish of where this story takes place.
4: Yeah. Um. It Yeah, a little bit more south than mm-hmm. that. Um, because this is, like, far northern. Yeah.
0: But this, is, but this is northeast, and, and AL is taking place in the southeast. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Question, yeah. so it doesn't build that much of the overall setting, right, just what's needed for the adventure, does that um, limit it, though? Like, I mean, in terms of how are <laughs> folks yeah. going to create stuff outside of the adventure for their own groups, particularly if that adventure doesn't necessarily appeal, but they still love Dragonlance.
3: Right. That, that's kind of what I was just suggesting. They're, you know, they're just relying on uh, the older stuff, you know, the old box sets and things like that, that you can buy on DM skills. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you're the kind of person that wants to play Dragonlance and doesn't want to play this adventure, then I guess you're homebrewing anyway, and you might as well just pull what lore you want. And If you love it, then you, you know what parts you love.
4: I mean, I, I would argue the Watsy answer is, you're playing this for this campaign. If you really want to make up your own stuff, that's cool, but they got other settings to go to. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> right. but the problem with and I don't know for sure because I've never looked at the older edition stuff. How is it with the culture stuff we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. with like what women can and can't do and and stuff like that?
4: Mm-hmm. I would. Huh,
3: um, yeah, I don't know the specifics, but
4: I, I was I, I was gonna say me personally because I did run stuff in first edition and second edition in the Dragonlance setting first edition, I will be honest, I got more out of reading uh, Leaves from the uh, Inn of Last Home than I did from reading any of the first edition, the Dragonlance Adventures or anything like that. Because a lot of that was concerned with giving you stats and giving you, you know, like, this is how you, you know, this is the class for A Knight of Salomnia but it didn't explain a whole lot more than what was in the novels. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, that leaves from the end of Last Home, like starts talking about all these different cultures and history, and you know, I I use that so much more than any of the game products, which is weird to me because you know I'm thinking game products should help me run a game, but right,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I think they're they're relying heavily on you know outside sources to kind of fill in the gaps for people, and like they've been pushing Dragon hard on DM's Guild. Like, but in the book itself, right, you've got 15 pages in chapter one with background, and a lot of that is devoted to, um, you know, religion. And the seven seven full pages are devoted to religion and the gods uh, who may or may not even play a big part in whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Gods. Um, <laughs> and thinking. then, yeah, yeah, I know, right? uh then you have another 15 pages for character creation so you get some background there on the knights and the mages but like really the um you know if we're talking about like the meat and potatoes of the setting it's not in this book
5: mm-hmm.
2: it's not in this book uh, also, oh sorry.
5: yeah
2: yeah you get a, you get a starter course um and then and then we and then we change shifts <laughs> well
4: but and, yeah uh, go, going back, not, back but it's right. an
0: adventure book it's not a setting book so yeah people got to get that right. in their heads
4: and to to talk about what uh, Tracy was asking about, like with, you know, with, you know, some things saying that women can't be knights or saying that they shouldn't be knights or things like that, you know, things that were more assumed in, you know, earlier editions. I would say if you get the three, five books that came out from uh, Margaret Weiss Productions, um, they still kind of talk about that, but everything is kind of viewed from the Age of Mortals back, so you're kind of getting, you know, the the long view of the Knights of Salamnia saying we should have never done this sort of stuff. And this is what they're like now. So it still kind of has that, but it doesn't say that that's the current status quo. Um, so, I mean, it, it touches on that, but it also has a, a much broader context because it adds like another hundred years or so of uh, timeline in there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, cuz I just having read the the most recent novel plus the f- most of the first trilogy, I think it was.
0: I think we read all of the first trilogy. Yeah. But we didn't read Legends.
1: Right. And then reading the RPG book, I would read novels that were set in the RPG book. I don't <laughs> like the novels as they are. <laughs> so it's that was like the thing that's that I'm struggling with. And I know we're going to do a whole novel thing. So I don't want to try
5: to
1: <laughs> want to do too much on, on it yeah. here. But that was just the thing I'm struggling with as I'm trying to read through these.
2: We do so. get uh, what's essentially like a footnote um, for the for the Knights. Right. Uh, there's like a small it's one sentence. It's paragraph, though, <laughs> own paragraph. Uh, a growing minority of Knights are pushing for reform of the measure, believing that it's unwieldy and outdated and that it no longer serves the ideals so like nothing in this nothing in this book mentions anything about women not being able to do anything um aside from like that minor hint there that like cool. and one and of the main characters there may be some stuff in the measure yeah
1: one of the main characters we interact with is a knight of salamia and, and i believe is female yeah mm-hmm. so yeah that was what was really struck out to me mm-hmm. they don't mention it directly as far as i could see anywhere other than the the footnote you point to it was show yeah. not tell I- I, yeah.
4: I would also say this, and this is something, you know, brace yourselves, but there are times when Hickman and Weiss actually contradicted themselves in their own writing.
2: For frequently <laughs> times. Yes.
4: <laughs> yes. Just, just look up the details of Tannis and Loranna's wedding and the fact that they actually wrote it differently in like three different places. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I will say, you know, especially with the the AL storyline, the first person you get introduced to is a female knight. Hmm. I'm but
4: even sure. even no. back in the 80s, the DC comics that were the Dragonlance comics, one of the first characters you're introduced to is Reva Silvercrown, who is a Knight of Salamia.
3: And that was back in that era. So, And then definitely later when there were like the Dark Knights and all, all that, there was uh, one of the main characters in, like I don't know, one of the later Weiss and Hickman books was, was also a knight and a female, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely... I, yeah, I almost, so you do you you do meet uh right in the first, first chapter, chapter three, you meet mm-hmm. uh Becklin and yeah. she's she mm-hmm. is a Salamnik night.
0: I almost oh. get the impression sometimes, uh and I guess we'd have to talk to Margaret and, and Tracy to find out, but um I get the impression sometimes that like they started writing these books, the original books, they didn't really know what they were doing. They were kind of new to the whole thing, they were kind of inventing the setting as they went. And then very shortly after that, they regretted some of their choices and they just sort of ignored them and rewrote them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why you have those inconsistencies.
4: Also worth pointing out that while they spearheaded the fiction, that whole team did design the world. Like right. Jeff Grubb actually created all the gods. It's, it's yeah. it. The novels are them, but the entire setting is not them.
2: And in defense of them, uh, you know, Dragonlance isn't the only setting for D D classic setting or otherwise that has consistency errors that are glaringly obvious. I mean
3: (laughs) I would suggest that every probably every you know fictional setting has consistency errors. Oh yeah. Like unless someone is yeah uh, you know some sort of robot where you can just know everything that you've written and everyone else written is written too, you know?
0: I can't imagine with
3: with the the hundreds of realms realms novels yeah
0: it's
2: a little you bit forgot it's a, Realms Bible is intense. Yeah.
0: It's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit like uh, a Marvel or DC comics. Like when you have that long of a continuity and that many different people working on them, there's going to be lots there of inconsistencies. Uh, well, I you mean, just explain it
2: away Dragon. by like, uh, you know, uh world-ending calamity happened right. and now things are different.
4: Yeah. I was going to say actually Dragonlance is a little closer to that DC paradigm because they have messed with time travel in a few places. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, several
0: times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah yeah um Wasn't okay it? so what we were talking a little bit about the the treatment uh you know we talked setting stuff but then um Ginny mentioned the the races and there is a new race available in the in the form of the kinder and I know when when it was being play tested the kinder was an area of some consternation let's say <laughs> um <laughs> i i'm 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 a little confuzzled by the presentation the the writing around the kinder um the the design and mechanics for you know seem fine enough to me um it is weird that like big swaths of it are written like here's some general information about how race entries work and then but the only race entry is kinder so why didn't you just talk about kinder instead of telling us how (laughs) racing. I almost feel like, you know, when you you look at that, when you look at the feats, um, which are significantly more powerful and assumed um, than the core version of um, D&D, it seems to me that there are some elements of that kind of stuff mechanically that is bleeding into the direction they think they're going with the rules updates. Uh, through D and D one that mm-hmm. may or may not be a new addition depending on who you talk to and what happens what ends up happening right
2: yeah I mean Kinder so yeah I, I love that they included Kinder Kinder have a problematic history of people playing them um, as douchebags um, I can say that word right because I really just wanted to say dicks um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I'm glad both. you didn't say that <laughs> oh, say both.
2: Um, I feel like I felt like it's appropriate to say both. So, you know, to the point that like we made a handout to, you know, let's talk about Kender. Like, what are they? What's the troubled history? And like 10 tips for role playing Kender. A lot of these are even things that were like directly from, you know, Margaret. Like we have a quote from her. It's not the fault of the Kender that players don't know how to be one. (laughs) I mean, you know. We've got, you know, ten basic tips here. Like, you're one of many kinder. Not all Kender are Tasselhoff. Not all right. kinder behave like Tass. <laughs> you don't have to be a thief. As a matter of fact, being called a thief is considered a base insult to a kinder. You're fearless, not reckless. You're amazed by the world. You know sharing is caring. You've got ideals you believe in. You're loyal. You're an independent soul. You can't stand a bully. You've got big feelings. I mean, to me, like, a kinder is is you know embodying like that childlike wonder Uh, somebody said that uh they're just halfling and uh we're trying to start a fight on uh (laughs) on the bird site um (laughs) and you know you could play your kender as tasselhoff but people are going to think that you're uh you know uh one of those two words that i already said um but you know there's, there's things that you should avoid. You know, constantly stealing from other players, needlessly right. provoking fights, running headlong into trouble, interrupting dramatic moments or derailing the well, I think, And I feel like
0: even if you're playing a Taz clone uh, who's constantly stealing stuff or whatever, like, that is a session zero conversation with the other mm-hmm. players. Like, it is mm-hmm. not... You know, let the, let it be clear. Like, this is true of Taz as a character as well. Like, it is not out of malice. It is not out yeah. of me being a dick. It is... It is I, I'm going to steal things, and I will totally get caught, and I will totally give it back, and it's not an issue. It's just me telling a story and being goofy and silly, and if that's a problem, then we need to reevaluate how I play my character and be okay with some things. Uh, I think that's a session zero conversation because I think you can mm-hmm. play Kinder that way. You just can't be a dick of a player. And do it you
2: know? <laughs> so yeah and I will say you know one one big change that we want to look at from where the kinder were in the unearth Arcana version one and version two mm-hmm. to where they are now um, is that uh, they took away um, I don't I don't know want to say like they took away necessarily but um, you know first uh, they had do, 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 do. Oh, they had a. So I was trying to say which UA it was in. I think it was in the second one.
4: The, um, the literal magic pockets versus the
2: uh, yeah the, the right negative <laughs> ones. Yeah, Kinder Kinder Ace. Starting a third level, you possess a magical ability to pull an item out of a bag or another container as a bonus action. Uh, like you just ditched that because
0: yeah, I don't I, I, I don't, don't know. I, well, and and it's kind of classic Kinder, right? Is that they're constantly stealing things, so they just have all this junk in their pouches or whatever. But Wait, you know. it's
2: that it's that word you're using. Yes. <laughs> they're not stealing I, it; they picked it up they, somewhere they, and they they've, acquired it. They've, and they've if called out on it, they'll happily give it back to oh, you. No, because again, they
0: they they didn't even acquire it. They were just holding it for somebody, or they thought you may have dropped <laughs> it and wanted it back, so they were keeping it safe. Or you know, no, absolutely. Um, but but and and that goes. I mean, I I remember many a DM back in the second edition days that would allow kinder characters to just keep a massive inventory of all the stuff that they've just sort of picked up along their adventures. And when somebody calls them out on like, how is it possible they're carrying all of that? The the go-to response is it's just kinder junk. It doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not real uh, inventory. It's just kinder junk. And so, so the, the UA, uh, the unearthed arcana playtest version of it, where they had these like magical pockets that could just hold everything um, kind of, spoke to me in terms of the old school uh, DMs running kinder junk and just letting the, the kinder carry whatever they, they ran across.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. they've got a bag full of, I mean, they've got pockets full of, you know, everything you'd expect a small child wandering mm-hmm. in the world to have a nice shiny stone. Oh, this is a cool feather I found on the ground. Well, this used to be a hole stick, but then I broke it, but this was the pointy end and I still uh-huh. liked it. So I just put it in my pocket um, a frog. Oh, that was alive when I put that in there. Oh no! An, an,
0: an ancient gold dragon. Taz has an ancient gold dragon in his pouches.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, at one point he does. Yeah, and and then just like the most random stuff, right? Like I think like that was kind of like I- iconic. You know, it's like uh, when you put on your coat for the first time in the winter season, you reach in your pockets and you're like, what treasures do uh-huh. I have? <laughs>
0: So uh, it's beyond, always
2: great when it's money.
0: <laughs> beyond kinder, uh, who no longer have magical pouches that hold whatever. Um, they also introduce this new the, a new approach to being a knight of Salomnia and or and or being a uh, a wizard or another a wizard, a mage. They went back to the old school their backgrounds uh, yeah uh, their their backgrounds. But there are backgrounds that come with feats, uh, which is different. Although they say, at least for this setting, um, ba- everybody goes gets to take a feat now. Yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, so the uh, prerequisite uh, for choosing one of those backgrounds is that you are playing in a Dragonlance campaign.
0: Right. I have had uh, uh, I have had to have the conversation <laughs> several times uh, due to. Uh, uh, Ravnica and Theros with my players of like these mm. are a different setting and the magic items and the and the feats and things are from a different setting and if you want to bring them into this setting we need to have a conversation about that you can't just assume <laughs> that that's a thing that exists.
2: We'll say the feat uh, coming as part of the background is not new. That was also in Shriekhaven.
0: Oh yeah,
2: yeah yes. Speaking of magic settings. <laughs> no, again,
0: again, but again, another magic setting where you know you don't necessarily say. Like clearly, and I think that's the right call. Like, we're gonna create a setting, and it's gonna have these very specific things that are just about this setting. Do not try to bring these into your your DM's game if they're not running I that mean, setting.
2: If your if your Dragonlance campaign, your entire party falls down a portal and you're now somewhere else, it was still the Dragonlance campaign. So. Uh, sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like the old my old. Uh,
2: uh, Somebody's gonna try that, right? So
0: it's, it's it's my old second edition. Uh, uh, Mule Gladiator from from Athus who who found himself in in the Forgotten Realms and just kicked everybody's ass. Yep. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. But to your point, though, they did introduce um, so bonus feats. No matter what background you choose for character, mm-hmm. you gain bonus mm-hmm. feats below. So if you don't have, if you're not a knight or a mage, you get either skilled or tough. You just right. get it.
0: Which again feels like the direction the playtest documents seem to be going. That's-
2: And that's like thematically appropriate for like, okay, you've been chosen uh, to help with this war that's just kind of kicking off and maybe Mm. try to like, you know, stop it from, you know, ravaging everyone immediately, maybe slow it down a little bit. So you're going to be either skilled or tough because you've chosen that or, you know, a knight or some Mm. other important person in this realm.
0: How do we feel about the the knights being a, a background in a series of feats? uh as opposed to a subclass of fighter or what have you it works fine for me
4: with an asterisk cool. <laughs> the only the only thing i will say about the asterisk it has to do with the adventure there is a lot of effort put into creating the story of a mage of high sorcery taking their test in this yes. adventure there are very few knights to actually promote you or have any kind of conclave to let you change orders or anything like mm-hmm. that so it's kind of weird that you know you might become a rose knight without ever running into another knight because you just said so, so you were
0: so I mean <laughs> yeah that's Endless, that's definitely yeah. a thing right uh, mm-hmm. um, I mean it definitely I, I really like that they they integrated into the story how to deal with the knights, or not the knights, the the mages, and, mm-hmm. and taking the test. Because, oh, I,
4: I love that!
0: And, and and that's one of the things that like makes me hesitate to run a Dragonlance game. Is like, yeah, but somebody's going to be a spellcaster, and I'm going to have to deal with this whole thing, and it's going to interrupt the middle of a campaign. Mm-hmm. because that's the level when they're supposed to take their test. And if they don't take their test, they're renegades and they're going to get hunted down and killed. And so you have to address this, right? This adventure mm-hmm. recognizes that and deals with it and, and makes that makes that work. Um, but you're not wrong that it's weird that they made that work, but the knights didn't. Because the knights are going to be just as, let's say, put out by somebody running around calling themselves a knight of the rose when they've never actually been promoted.
2: <laughs> right. so you start a squire so like I guess you would have a
0: connection
2: yeah I guess it's kind of you know assume that like I don't know you've been squiring for a while and there were more knights their numbers have just dwindled to where they can't call a conclave now and then they've got you know know, most knights began as members of the knights of the crown then move on to join other orders so like you can do that if Mm -hmm. you want they've got a little sidebar about membership and how you can bounce around but, and I think, and I think uh, you could
0: fit that into the story easily enough. It's, yeah, just well, not, I, it's just not built into it like it is for the mages.
4: I mean, right. it's, it's literally Sturm's story in the original thing. He was right. technically a squire. He had never been made into a full knight until, you know, later on. And, you know, that
0: was... <laughs> right. And that was a contentious... Yes, um, and it was a whole and it was a whole story beat, right? Uh, yeah. Whereas this doesn't treat it as a story beat at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's an interesting uh, and I think important point. What do we think of the the integration of the was it the lunar sorcerer, um, which I thought was going to be way more connected to the mages, uh, but ended up being a lot more general than I was expecting it to be.
4: I mean that's Personally, just a, I think that's, it's kind of weird.
3: <laughs> yeah, cuz it's just kind of made up whole cloth, right? Cuz they, well, they yeah, really and, used to be really sorcerers in in Dragonlance. Maybe later there was something, but
4: Yeah, like, there were sorcerers later so on, but is this, yeah. But what's weird to me is it's not about I am I am aligned to Nuitari or Solinari or Lunatari. Yeah. It is this moon is half full, so I get these powers. And that's kind of strange. mm
0: mm-hmm. Mhm. I don't know. <laughs> and they, they even call out like, and this is how this class would fit into, or this subclass would fit into Eberron. And this is how it fit. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's clearly not a, a subclass designed to evoke Dragonlands, which is what I thought they were going to do with it. Um, and yeah, so I I agree. Like, I don't think it's a bad subclass, but it, no, it doesn't like everything else. Class wise, you know, kinder, and all and all the backgrounds and all the feats and whatever those those all scream Dragonlance and uh, to the point that I would want them in Dragonlance and I don't think I would want to muddy those things by putting them in other places. Um, mm-hmm. it, and then you get to this sorcerer class or subclass where it's like, except for this thing which doesn't really scream Dragonlance at all. It just screams somebody wanted to make a, a moon sorcerer and here's a way to kind of shoehorn it into Dragonlance.
3: I. I- are those sorcerers in this adventure anywhere that, that I, anyone
4: has seen? I don't think any anyone was statted out as having moon-based mm. abilities. All the all the spellcasters, I mean, for I I can't even remember because they actually tell you now in the stat block what type of caster they're supposed to be, and I don't even remember what. I know Dalamar is not supposed to be a sorcerer, mm. but I don't remember what any of the other ones were.
0: Mm. I don't know well we're', we're, we're yeah. 48 minutes into the conversation here and we haven't actually talked much about the adventure uh, we mentioned that mm-hmm. there's some preludes uh, which I think the, those prelude encounters I thought were were really interesting they're they're long enough to give you a little like session zero adventure um and, and but not long enough that you couldn't do all three of them in one setting and, and let some players take the spotlight for a half an hour. And then these players go over and do their encounter and take the spotlight for a half an hour. Um, You know, I kind of liked the idea of those prelude encounters.
3: Yeah. I I thought it was really cool because it, it allows uh, you know, a lot of people that know from the old books are like, well, can you play a cleric? Like what happens? It's like, well, this gives you a mm -hmm. way to do that. Yeah.
4: And I think it does a lot of it helps build in that whole idea where it's similar to, but not the same as all of the heroes of the lands coming back to the end of mm. last home after being separated for five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And actually, I look back through the original adventures and those even start with not everyone had the same um, opening encounter before they reached the end of last home. Oh, that was kind of interesting, too. Mm uh-huh.
0: hmm. Um, yeah, and so I think I think that was interesting, and I think the story of the adventure is, is other than what we've talked about. Is there anything of particular note or innovation in the story? I mean, we talked about how it's not it's 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 the Rogue One, right? It's happening simultaneously with Chronicles, um, just in a different sort of part of the world. You're interacting with some of the characters. Um, um, honestly, the most the mo the the most probably the best of the villains of Dragonlance is sort of your major villain um, in in the form of Lord Soth. Um, you as as Jared implied earlier. You you run into Dalamar when he was um, a more lowly uh, caster before he became <laughs> uh, who he became. Um, you know. Uh, But yeah, but other than that, like, is there any particularly interesting, innovative or standout sort of aspects to the story other than the board game piece that I want to talk about in a
3: second? So somewhat related to that, uh, I really like how they did the adventure or the the combats that were not board game related, how they had that sort of mechanic of the fray, uh, which is sort of like how you can be in a major combat but still have your kind of group combat, so you don't have to worry about a whole army.
4: I really liked those. I liked how they di- how they set those up. Mm-hmm. That, w- that was
0: really neat. Talk a little bit more about how that works.
3: So uh, on the maps, there is like a 15-foot uh, edge, basically, and that is called the fray. And if you go into the fray, you take some damage. Uh, also, they had some random encounters that could happen uh, each round, but also if you go into the fray, you could experience one of those random encounters as well So
0: so past the fray past the edge of the map is the rest of the battle that's taking place mm-hmm. uh, If you wander off that way, things can happen to you and it sort of encourages you to stay in your own little skirmish um, which will then most, inform how the rest of the battle goes
4: And most of those encounters that have that fray border also have a thing that says if you do this, the fight is over So you kind of have an objective, too, that kind of signals when everything calms down and Mm -hmm. there's not a battle raging around you anymore.
0: Yeah. So should we talk about the board game, Ginny? Oh, why not? (laughs) (laughs) So Ginny and I both got, with our reviews uh, copies, a copy of the deluxe set, which comes with a copy of the DM screen, which is actually behind me here. Um, for, I was going to say for those of you on the video, but it's just the five of us on the video, so never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it comes with a DM screen. Uh, it comes with a copy of the book that's a completely different cover than the other two uh, with a, the shiny foil cover that's kind of cool. Um, and then it comes with uh, a copy of the board game. Uh, and the adventure has designed itself in such a way that there it hits certain points where it says... You can uh, play out this encounter in this way, or you can play scenario number whatever out of the board game, uh, and that'll that and the outcome whether you win, what is it, win, hold, or lose, um, yep. will have these sort of uh, impacts on the, the story. Although winning and holding seems to have the exact same impact in every single one of the scenarios that I saw. Um, so you don't have to That's win. You just got to play to a tie.
2: Yeah. I mean, you get, you get a little extra perk generally for winning, winning. Like in this, like in this particular one, I don't think this is very spoilery. If you win, you get a reputation card and a medal card. If you hold, you only get the reputation card. No,
0: You're looking at the, at the board game though. In, oh yeah. In yeah, the, yeah, in, yeah. The, in, the, in the adventure, it says the effects of winning or, or holding are this. And the yeah, effects of losing are that, uh, and very seldom does the People adventure care if you win or hold.
2: That is, that is, that is true. There's little sidebars if you're using it with mass combat, aka with the board game, or without mm-hmm. mass combat. So, with mass combat, if you attain a win or a hold, you're now known as the whatever, and you do whatever. Right. So, yeah, it's pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. At, um, th- at this point, I think I've played. I played once for two and a half hours. Um, I'm guessing that you played the first scenario as well.
2: Yep, scenario zero.
0: We played, uh, and so I, I was before we started recording. I was telling the story of we we played for two and a half hours. I expect the first time that I play a game for the, for the first time, it's going to take a little longer. Although this is the intro scenario, it's scenario zero. It's the training grounds. It's supposed to be teaching you how to play.
2: Did you read any of it before you started playing or did you just sit down and open it all cold?
0: I sat down and opened it up cold because I started opening things up and then ran into all the Gloomhaven-like cards and say, open this when you first start playing. And I'm like, oh, OK, I'm just going to wait <laughs> until I first start playing. Um, so, yeah, I went into it cold. Um, it was about an hour of setup and then we played for about an hour and a half and. Uh, the 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 scenarios are supposed to be playable in an hour to an hour and a half. After an hour and a half, we had uh, only gotten through about two or three rounds of the scenario and accomplished one of the three objectives. Um, and and it was not, I don't know the 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 way the game is set up and described and the rules are set up and described like. A specific piece of information that you absolutely need to have only exists at one place in the in, in the rules. So mad about
5: that too.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's but it's relevant in five different places, and they don't even mention it. Uh, and it was a pain in the butt to find the information we needed to to set up to get our characters ready to to play the various scenarios, the the actions. It was,
2: and if you don't if you if you're just randomly choosing classes and you don't happen to choose the right one which we happened into mm. you can't win
3: oh scenario zero wow yeah so but we, there's yeah,
2: nothing what, anywhere else to tell you that
3: right what's what kind of game is it like so it's know, it's it it's a um, it.
0: it's a little bit like Gloomhaven. Um, it's a cooperative game but instead of having monsters on the battlefield following a a complex algorithm of how they're going to behave so you can not have a dm uh in this case you don't have that but instead you have the this mass combat mechanic that's happening simultaneously with the rest of the game
2: a lot of card card based card draw based stuff so Mm -hmm. you you set up your little battlefield each each scenario has you know a little diagram um which i'm showing everyone on screen but everyone else can just look it up online um (laughs) And uh, if I can if I can uh, self-promote for a second, uh, I have a review on my own website mm-hmm. about oh, this nice. where, where <laughs> we have a up. bunch of pictures and stuff. So JennyLoveDay.com. It's on my blog. Um, and I'd like to tell you that I wrote that review, but I was still just really salty about it. So I went downstairs, and uh, I, I hired my roommate who played the game with me to write the review.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 well, and here's the thing. I think there is an audience for this game. And honestly, my group, by the time we got to the end and we'd kind of figured out how the game works, we I think we were having more fun with it. Um, I think if you're a Gloomhaven player, especially if you're a Gloomhaven player who dove into Gloomhaven and didn't, didn't have the benefit of Jaws of the Lion as sort of an intro to, to the game, um, I think you're going to get a lot out of the game and I think you might enjoy it um, more than some other players. Um and I th- I wonder if I ever end up running this adventure with my adult group, um, they might enjoy using the mass combat stuff and playing the board game. Uh, by the end of it, they were kind of having fun. But man, the learning curve was it's, steep.
2: It's kind of clunky yeah. as written. Um, it could do with a couple pages of errata right mm-hmm. out of the... Right, right, right out of production, could use a yeah. couple pages of that, because there are there are rules that are um, contradictory. Um, there are rules that aren't clear to where, you know, it'll say you do this and you're like, okay, but how do <laughs> what I... It, what
0: does that mean? <laughs>
2: that, right? Like, yeah, how? how what, So I defeat a, a vile assassin and I can use so use my do I roll do I, I use actions if I just use all the actions and then and right. then and then what and you know like we figured that all out eventually right. so it, it took
0: me it, it took me five minutes to figure out on which tile do the player characters start <laughs> and that's that's yeah. like it, it shouldn't take that long I shouldn't have to look in that one specific spot like that should be referenced a yeah. few times or in the scenario that's supposed to be teaching you how to play.
2: <laughs> it should it should be under, um, you know, under the heading that each one has called starting the scenario.
1: It yeah. should be right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, but... so there
0: were some frustrations. Sounds like
1: yeah, do, you, yeah. do you feel like trying to do mass combat only through this tie-in product, like, for Dragonlance, which is about that um, moving it's between, like, the novels themselves are, like, moving between local combat two people are fighting to like the bigger thing going on do you think like maybe people feel disappointed that there's not more of that mass combat rules like built into the adventure itself
2: yeah people are gonna absolutely think it's a money grab to get you to buy both because you cannot do mass combat without the board game as Mm -hmm. it's written and doing mass combat with the board game and like i completely agree jeff i think if we and and we're tentatively planning to try and play through the the entire campaign here. Since we started it, we've gotten one, so now we're ready to go to the Battle of Vogler. Uh, we're going to start saving people now, not just practicing. Um, we're probably still going to end up with everything on fire.
3: God. So does the, <laughs> so much does fire. the board game kind of mimic the storyline of the um, the adventure?
2: That's the um, that's the
3: impression I get.
2: Yeah, so you get you, you get some training, so you go to you know. Uh, boot camp first, and then we got the Battle of Vogler, and then we go Marshall's Gambit, Engines of War, Catastrophe, Valley of the Barbed Tells, Dark Moon Rises, Break the Wall, Fighting Retreat, March of the Black Rose, Day of Thousand Fires, yeah, Siege, like and then mm-hmm. Retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, it pretty much does. It's a campaign in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. So, um you you gain honor as you go along. You can play with the characters, that the six characters that they provide you, or you can actually just use any character that you have because the character right. itself doesn't matter.
0: Right. <laughs> unlike, unlike Gloomhaven, where you get your powers based on the character you choose, you can play any character, but the only thing that matters is the class that you choose. And so as long as you... Pull the class card for your own D and D character. You can just pull out your mini that you well, use for the game. And
2: I, I hope that you know everyone doing that. Somebody in the <laughs> in the group has chosen the right class to beat the first right. scenario. I'm God. I'm am so mad about that. Like it's literally unwinnable without that one specific class. And we had four people, and there's and there's what? How many?
0: Talk, how many talk about that situation because I clearly didn't get to the end of the scenario. So. Which situ- what what could you not accomplish, and what class did you need? Equipment. There was you have, there- to, have,
2: you have to have equipment to win.
0: You do have to have in- equipment to win, but you can get equipment by defeating the 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 bad guys.
2: Where say that?
0: <laughs> there there in in the rules about the combat. If you defeat <laughs> if you if you roll high enough, like a certain number above their level, you actually get a, a piece of equipment for defeating them. It was a whole thing.
5: <laughs>
0: but but we kept we had a we had a rogue in the party and so we kept defeating the bad guys using one of their abilities instead of actually fighting them which meant that you don't get the equipment which meant like until we realized that that was a condition to win we were also going to hose hose ourselves because we were using our powers instead of actually fighting.
2: <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, I do I do see that now, but like you then you have to have people who have the same ability, so that would be, you know, your your strength, constitution, dexterity, etc.
0: Right. You need those to be abilities. able to you to win the fight handily in order to make that happen.
2: Yeah. So if like, you know, uh, so we'll use we'll go back to scenario zero for, for the for example, right? So you put out the vile assassins randomly. So if you get like all wisdom ones and nobody is mastery and right. wisdom, which you could very easily get. Um, then again you're still not gonna handily beat them so you have to have I think it was the sorcerer uh, is the only one who has the option to just get equipment Oh the only class yep. So that was very frustrating for us I do I do see that and I, I do remember reading that now um, but we never achieved that right. We only squeaked by. Well, right, because
0: because it's designed in such a way that it's not going to be uncommon to squeak by. You're not rolling a nor- even a normal d6. You get a zero, a one, or a two.
5: Yeah. Uh, sure. So
0: so the odds that you get a high enough roll to defeat them handily enough to get the equipment, um, it's it's entirely feasible that you just don't. Yeah. But I guess also. that's I guess that's why it doesn't matter if you get a hold and, and you tie uh, because you can still just go on and. If if you yeah. didn't, didn't meet that condition,
2: and our first couple of event cards were all out all out battles as well. Oh, yeah! First 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 four event cards were all all out battles. Uh-huh. Uh, so by the time we finished our first round of combat, we had completely lost control of the primary flank.
3: Mm-hmm. So- and
2: we're only <laughs> only on the flank that was on fire now.
3: Right. <laughs> so given what you guys have played uh, so far, do you think? that you would try to use it during a role-playing game session?
2: If I had like a consistent home group and we're playing and I, and we all, before we start our campaign, I would want to run everyone through scenario zero. And, like, and I think we don't do that. Then I wouldn't do it. Yeah.
0: I think I would start by saying, let's play scenario zero. Um, let's, let's pull our classes based off of what we think we're going to make for the game. And then, then we can decide, do we like it? Do we want to keep coming back to this for the game or not? Um would I invest in buying the game I don't even know how much it costs well, I don't it's know like
3: 150 if 150
0: bucks It's 150 bucks for the game? Yeah. For what not n- the, for the deluxe box or just the ga- the board game?
2: Just the game.
0: Just the game. Oh yeah, no, I would definitely not use it. <laughs> 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 no. Yeah, like,
5: oh, is it really? really?
0: If it was fifty bucks I'm pretty sure that's what I thought. If it was fifty dollars I'd have that conversation, but for hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> I am not adding the board game to the, to this adventure for
2: $150. So it looks like Yeah,
3: $145. It, oh no, that's that is deluxe.
2: that's the deluxe.
3: Yeah, that's the deluxe. That is the deluxe, you're right, you're right.
2: Yeah, so it looks like it is uh oh, gosh. I'm seeing a bunch of
4: uh, saying around it's, 60, it,
2: yeah, 60 ish. Okay,
4: 60 ish.
0: So that's more reasonable. Uh, and at yeah. that point, <laughs> I, I might, yeah, I mean, but I,
2: I, see an, I see an equal number of stores with the 79.99, though. Sure. So I think that's actually mm. the MSRP on it. Mm. I,
0: I i have spent 50 to 60 dollars in supplemental extras for, for most of the adventures I've yeah. run, so uh, yeah. I might consider it for that.
2: Yeah, so, so a minute- miniature market does list msrp
4: 79.95 hmm. so my question would be though if you that,
2: no, absolutely not.
4: <laughs> <laughs> if you've played through or if you've read through enough of the adventure in those scenarios where you would be doing that board game instead of the skirmish that they have which would you rather play because the skirmishes seem like they would be more fun well, like, playing so the skirmish in D&D seems like right. it would be more fun Here, than Here's what the, I can tell
0: you, when, because as I mentioned, I playtested it. When I playtested Chapter 3, uh, and we played out the skirmish through D&D of the Battle of Ogler, we had a pretty good time, and I feel like we mm-hmm. had more fun doing that than the one time we played the board game. <laughs> but mm. we didn't know how to play the board game at the time, and, and it's hard to judge. But, um, yeah, I mean, we... I had a good time playing the the adventure as written without the board game. What also I've
3: thought about doing is uh, I recently got the MCDM Kingdoms and Warfare, so I was like, oh, how could I use right. that with this as well?
0: That might be the other way to go. And I've I've run some Mass Combat stuff here and there. Uh, I, so you know, I think it, in my. Previous big campaign, and we, it came up once or twice that we did some mass combat. And I just used some, one of the old uh, Unearthed Arcana uh, playtest rules for mass combat. And as much as people warned me against doing it, and by that I mean Sam and Mike on behind the DM screen, um, told me not to do it. It's not any fun. We did it. And it was a blast. We had a good time. Um, so that worked out okay for us. And it was, it, was, it was a good time as well. But it was also a short little thing, not a whole scenario that's going to take, you know, that... My guess is that if we ran chunks uh, where it was just the board game to to play out those scenarios, that would probably end up being most of our 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 session. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
2: there were mass combat rules in an AL adventure in season five, I think, Robert, Mm -hmm. and those those weren't bad when the giants were attacking or Mm -hmm. something. I forget. Yeah, and so like, there's definitely ways to where like you can, um, you know replicate kind of that feeling of mass mm-hmm. combat but the skirmishes as they've set them up so you've got you know your your random encounter table and then you also have like there are direct things that happen um, like uh, the, one, the one that you did you know of course you get to you go ahead and interact with some of those really cool iconic foes the draconian army is airdropping in on your head <laughs> and why would you not want to do that yeah. then then randomly pull from the cards set there going what do you mean the 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 footman targeted my mounted right. line the missile line targeted my mounted line and the mounted line targeted my mounted line which is the only line that i had which could possibly make me the attacker <laughs> So I'm just always going to be on the defense now because they've took out my only substantial line. So like, okay, everything just sucks over here versus (laughs) like I could be battling airdropping draconians. (laughs) Why would I not do
0: that? I'm getting, I'm getting the feeling that Ginny is still bitter about that, about yes. that session <laughs> of the board game.
3: <laughs> well, if she had written the review, it she would have just been like, one <laughs> it <sucks>. for, for <laughs> "What
2: note. I, I did write a note at the end of the review, note from me, which basically says I couldn't write this review because it would have been very short, and like I'm highly disappointed in this.
3: Um, nice.
0: Yeah, you no. Know, the, the strategy that we figured out is that one of the players has to just sit on one tile and do recruiting every single round. 'Cause you can you can build up your army pretty decently that way. There was the sacred temple or whatever that you could just recruit six six soldiers every round. Um which is fine strategically, but it's not fun no. for that player.
2: Oh, no. so go ahead and um read that back because that's not how that works.
0: Oh, okay. Well then maybe I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's see fun. this also...
2: I got really hopeful on that one, too. But, no, you add the recruit card to the deck, and after you spend the card, it goes away.
0: Okay. Well, that yes, that's not how we did it. (laughs) No.
4: What's interesting, though, is um, I was talking to uh, Brandis, because for once I actually had something that he didn't. And he was asking me about the mass combat, Mm -hmm. and he was asking, like, in the skirmishes, do you determine the effects of the mass combat? And I was like, well, no. But that's because the way this is written you are almost always holding a position waiting for reinforcements or waiting to retreat. You're you know you're not winning against the Red Dragon army, you're surviving against the Red Dragon army until your adventurers can go do something. Right. So I don't know that this is even something where I want mass combat. I just want battlefield feeling. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Uh well, you
2: know uh, hopefully someone besides John Christian has been stockpiling the little draconian minis for years <laughs> so that you could just throw them all out on on your table and be like, it's an army, everybody! And then your players be like, uh, we'd like to tactically retreat. Uh, because that's realistic right there. But, and and really, even in the board game, you're not winning. You're, all of the cards that you draw are the draconian army raining down like hellfire and stuff upon you or it's like sometimes like literally fire like one of the actions you could take is to put out fire but then the opposing commander for the training scenario uh is i'm gonna light two fires and you're like i just spent a whole action (laughs) and you're a jerk
4: but i (laughs) mean yeah it's kind of interesting to me though because even in you know the stories Nobody was winning winning against the Dragon Armies until after the Whitestone Council and Lorana started to, you know, lead and they, you know, made her the Golden General. So it really was just about, okay, we survived, we kept them from burning down the town this time. (laughs) It wasn't, like, pushing back into the the Dragon Armies Mm -hmm. or anything.
2: Yeah, I mean, and even in in the book, right, so, like, you get to Chapter 3 and it's not like... Oh, we're gonna get into our first battle, and they expect us to have a massive win. No, 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 no. It ends, and I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler. Escape
0: from Vogler. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, we have we been talking a- about this for over an hour now. I want to give people a chance to share their last thoughts before we we go ahead and wrap up this surprise round. First impressions. Uh, maybe maybe in a few years after a bunch of people have run through the adventure and, and we have more thoughts, we might come back to it, but. Um, at this point, any last thoughts, questions, things you want to say before we go, things you want to say that we haven't mentioned yet?
2: Uh, I, I just want to say, you know, I am, I am very excited to see this out there for people who've never experienced Dragonlance. While it doesn't go solidly into the setting, I think it's going to encourage people to go back and pick up those novels and pick up that older content to see more about it because the fights and the combats that you do get in the book are, and the war itself are a very interesting, you know, part of the lore of Dragonlance. And I think, you know, in their goal to appeal to as many new players as possible, like they picked the right era.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Any other last Um, thoughts?
4: I am really happy with this adventure overall. There's a few places here and there where I thought, oh, they could have done this a little bit different, but overall, I actually think they pull it off really well. And I think compared to some of the Watsy adventures where I really liked the adventure but I didn't feel like they stuck the landing, this to me honestly feels like they stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at like the last three things you do, yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's like here is one major adversary that you deal with. Here is mm. another major adversary. Now here is, you know, your your final battlefield stand that's, you know, almost like fighting the Witch-king on the, you know, on the you know, in the Lord of the Rings. It's, it's like
3: you know, I really like how it wrapped up. Yeah, the adventure yeah. as a whole, I think, I think is is fantastic. From what I've read of it so far, I, I really like it. It, really, it gives a lot of, like I said before, touchstones to, to older fans that you're going to love, and uh, I think newer fans are just going to learn a lot. Uh, we were talking about, like, how, you know, if you wanted to play um, a campaign, what would you do? So if you go to dragonlancenexus.com, they put out a book just recently, actually, uh, called Tasselhoff's Pouches of Everything. And it is all 5th edition stuff. Um, and it's sort of uh, age, uh, or what is it called, um, like timeline independent. It actually talks mm-hmm. about the War of the Lance, but then it talks about the future stuff too, the Chaos War, the mm-hmm. Rise of the Dragon Overlords, and the War of Souls. So uh, it has tons of geography. So it's it's definitely um, what you want if you want to play some more. Uh, Dragonlance.
0: Dragonlands. Excellent. All right. then I'm gonna go ahead and call that the oh. end of this episode. Oh, yeah, was there something
1: else? I was just gonna say, um unsurprisingly, I liked a lot of the art and they have great character portraits and uh, uh, particularly of, like Grandma, like, there was a grandmother in there that I saw that was great. And because of the subject matter, there are um even families and stuff like that because you're you're helping mm-hmm. people within a town and stuff like that so I the like that in, a lot. Yeah. the
2: yeah. art's amazing and the representation in the art continues to to be uh, mm-hmm. wonderful I um, I thought it was really interesting that they chose to depict all three orders of mage as women No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't I see was it in this or in the board game where they they depicted the different orders as different races as well which cle- uh, that, which which clearly is a thing but you don't hear about, you know, black-robed dwarves very much in the in the the yep.
3: novels.
2: Uh I mean,
3: well, no, that was back in the day, you know, it was only uh dwarves dwarves weren't wizards except for the one kind of dwarf, can't remember. Yeah, the uh, the, the, the Yeah, the Thor. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I mean, the 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 black mage is clearly a, a dwarf or a halfling, she's much shorter. Um the red mage uh unable to determine her actual race because she got her hood on and i can't see her ears could be Mm -hmm. elven and then um we have uh a dark skinned human woman for the all right yeah
0: so anyway okay so i'm gonna go ahead and call that the end of the episode i want to i want to thank uh (laughs) all of our guests uh jenny loveday where can people find you on the internet
2: Oh, God, uh, this is now getting more complicated by the day, right? <laughs> uh, let's just start, uh, though. Um, you can find me online at Jenny Loveday on all the things that I'm on. Um, if you're on Mastodon, though, it is Dice.Camp. Um, since that, you also have to know that bit there. But aside from that, uh, my website, um, and I need to put my link tree on my website because I've been keeping my link tree up to date. So if you can find that, which is still on my Twitter profile, uh, then you've got me everywhere. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, JennyLoveDay.com and I'll be at PAX Unplugged and then my next con is Winter Fantasy uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana everywhere Just, down, first the, through
0: just down the street from me? Yeah, you gonna come? I, I don't know <laughs> 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 We'll see how the semester's going So, yep, it's just a couple hours away Jared or Asher, where can people find you on the internet?
4: Alright, you can find my blog at Um You can also find some of the reviews that I write at Gnome Stew. And my friend Ange and I have a new podcast called Thacko with Advantage.
0: Ooh. Nice. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> nice name. What edition are you playing? That doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Girl>. No. <laughs> Robert Aduji, where can people find you?
3: Uh, you can find me anywhere people are talking about Dark Sun. I'm usually there. Uh, also on Twitter at Redu76. And you can probably find me on startplaying.games uh, if you want me to run some games for you. I think I'm probably going to run a Dragonlance game soon. There
0: you go. Right on. Uh, we also want to thank all of our listeners who support us by becoming patrons at patreon.com slash the such as Doug Palmer, Hyperlexic, James D'Alessio, Jill Sanders, Leonard Pelche, and Michael Harrison, as well as the dozens of others who support us uh, with as little as a dollar a month to, to help me pay the bills and keep the show going. Uh, you can reach out to the show uh, by emailing thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can find me on, uh, well, I guess Twitter and many other places now these days as at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. Um, the show is on Facebook and Twitter as at the Tome Show. Um, and we also have the Discord channel, which we are recording on for the first time uh, this time around. So, uh, so far, so good. We'll see how the audio turns out as, as Sam gets it all edited up. Um, you can also find Tracy on, on I know, Twitter. She is at Sarah Dark Magic. But, uh, Tracy, have you migrated other places where people should look for you?
1: I allegedly have a place on Hive, and I think it's called counter social and we'll figure out where else I go Right. and Instagram.
0: Right. We'll, we'll, we'll keep people up to date. Uh, it, it's a tricky time to ask about finding people's socials, but yeah. at the very least, yeah. we, know, we know we can find Tracy at saradarkmagic.com. We know we can find, uh, Jared at Gnome Stew. We can find Jenny at, uh, Jenny Love Day. Uh, Robert, I don't know where we can find you. <laughs> Where's
3: your Radu website? This.org. Yeah. yeah. Which one? Yeah. A- Athos. Athos. Ashes of Athos, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Perfect.
2: <laughs> Come on, where people are talking about Ashes of Atlas. Come right. on. <laughs> Although uh, you don't appear every time I talk about it at my house, so I'm disappointed. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you gotta say it louder.
2: <laughs> I can't. That someone's Alan too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that's our surprise round episode, where we combated the schemes of the most vile Death Knights, as we discuss Dragonlance: Shadow of the Dragon Queen. In this episode of.
5: I'm on the wall.